0: Welcome to The Marvelous Gospel, a podcast where we examine our favorite movies through a biblical, theological, and redemptive perspective. I'm Frank Gill, and I'm here with my twin brother with super speed, Tommy Hutchinson. How you doing, bro?
1: Hey, anytime I can be related to Quicksilver, I'll take it. (laughs) I will say,
0: I uh, I was going to say, since watching this, I think you actually said this too. Um, This is, comparing him to the X-Men Quicksilver, I think this is a better Quicksilver.
1: Oh, 100%.
0: 100%. I wanted to I think I love the X-Men Quicksilver because he is uh so funny, but this Quicksilver I think has more heart. Anyways, we're jumping this we people don't even know what movie we're talking about. We're, we're getting so fast into this. Uh, let's go. Tommy, how was your weekend? Everything was good? Yeah, man, it was good. It was good. All right, but... cool. Let's dive into this. All right. <laughs> hey, we are talking about the 2015 release of Avengers Age of Ultron. It feels like just yesterday we were talking about the first Avengers, and we're already at the second Avengers movie. Yeah. The next big team up. And um,
1: dude, dude, this yeah. movie is so
0: good. Oh, so it, good. But like, it's funny. People hated it when it came out.
1: Oh, I remember not liking it. I remember being like, that was confusing. Why are they doing this? And now that we're, what, phase almost five, because we're getting yeah. somewhere in phase four, there's this whole bit of like, I'm watching things with Wanda. I'm watching things with Ultron, with Tony, and I see fresh eyes on it. And oh. I'm like, Man, this is so deep. We'll dive into it maybe a little bit later, but
0: just like WandaVision has more depth, uh, Vision Hawkeye, has more depth, Hawkeye has more depth. Every, I mean, it, it, it's definitely there's the newer shows and movies play so much into the importance of this movie oh. that, like, I think it's one of those things where now if you don't like a movie in Marvel, that's fine, but wait three years and, that, and, and <laughs> yeah. like, that movie's gonna have, like. They did it with Thor. The only movie they haven't done that with is Hulk. The Incredible yeah. Hulk. Like, even Thor, the Thor movies, are as bad as they are, are so much more better because of, like, later movies. Yeah. The only movie they legit, they legitimately just haven't dealt with is The Incredible Hulk. And they kind of dealt with it yeah. in the What If series when they kind of did the redo of, like, the Hulk scene. But, yeah. like, um, other than that, man, like, this movie is so good. In fact, I was watching an interview with uh, Joss Whedon and the kind of the fallout that this movie had, in in the sense that like, people kind of panned it, and and I heard that there was a lot of like issues on site and in the in the filming of this, and Joss Whedon was struggling with this film, and he said I made the mistake of trying to make a good movie, and he ended mm. up making it very confusing or whatever. But man, I don't know. I think it's so good. Yeah, I think it's it- so good.
1: And you talked about the Hulk. There's rumors at the time of us recording this. There's rumors that She-Hulk is having major issues. That that may not be coming out now. And sure. so there's all sorts. So like, yeah, the Hulk gets the raw into the stick, um, and he's in outer space when this movie happens, right? So no, not <laughs> no, the, excuse me, no, the no. end of this movie. At the end of this yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, he gets it.
0: So anyways, let's talk about who, uh, who's in this. So the 2015 release of Age of Ultron is directed by Joss Whedon, who is. This is not. This is not his first rodeo when it comes to these big giant sci-fi blockbusters. Uh, it stars Robert Dunning Jr., Chris Chris Hemsworth, all these all these classic people. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner. That's the classic Avengers crew. Plus, Samuel Jackson comes back. Anthony Mackey comes back. James Spader as Ultron is now on uh, the scene. And then Aaron Tyler Aaron Taylor Johnson as Pietro Maximoff, aka Quicksilver, Elizabeth Olson as Wanda Maximoff, aka Scarlet Witch. And Paul Bettany, who was Jarvis, is now Vision. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. You ready for my synopsis that I, I tried to cobble together? Here we go. Give me a Vision. Tony Stark is convinced that there needs to be a suit of armor around the world to protect the Earth from enemies that are too big to handle. After acquiring the Mind Stone, Tony and Bruce Banner attempt to... to I said snake a peacemaking? <laughs> I don't know what I wrote there. <laughs> St- attempt to create a peacemaking program but it goes wrong. An AI robot named Ultron emerges with the goal of eliminating all humans from Earth. The Avengers have to reassemble to save the Earth from this technology terror. Along the way, two mysterious newcomers, Pietro, and Wanda, show up, and a new, even more powerful hero emerges. What do you think?
1: Dude, you slithered your way right through that. I was, I was very impressed. <laughs> I don't
0: know why I wrote the I wrote the <laughs> word snake randomly in there. I don't know what happened. I I wrote this thing like in five five seconds because we were trying to, to get to this yeah. recording. No, I I, think you,
1: I thought I thought you're good. I um I I I will. I don't want to dive too much into it, but I think, um, Age of Ultron like is quickly. I think this moved up my rankings after rewatching uh, it.
0: We I we have to. You know, we haven't done the show. We're almost done with with with, uh, with uh, the second phase of the, of the MCU. We should maybe one day, um, maybe this is what we should do. We should do a bonus episode, a short bonus episode where we just go over our list, like our rankings, um, and then and then like by the end, t- by the time we get to like by the time we catch up to the Marvel shows and movies, we're at then maybe we can see if there's any updated. But we can talk about our current ranking and get everyone really mad at us because I mean, their favorite movie is not towards the top.
1: I love the idea, but everyone's been telling me that listens to this that everything's in the basement. According to me, so maybe we need to do it by like house <laughs> tier. Like this is a basement tier, first level, second level, and in, 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 your, in, the in stratosphere.
0: In your in in people's minds, your list is just like a one-story house because the entire <laughs> the entire list is in the basement, and you just have like three movies in the actual house. Hey, well, uh, Age of
1: Ultron is not in the basement. That I can oh, I can promise you.
0: For sure, it's not no. I
1: thought different. your synopsis was good. I mean, we'll dive into a little bit, but um. In this movie, the comparisons between Iron Man and and Vision and Jarvis are just amazing. How they could have the same idea and totally different outcomes out of it. Yeah, um, there's just so many things. I don't know. When you were watching through the movie? What were some of your like quick
0: hitters that you saw? So uh, one is this is like Wanda is terrifying. Like yeah. like uh, there's these scenes where they really like kind of enhance the horror. Like these moments where like she like. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of The Ring. Remember if you remember that movie, yeah, where she just kind of like stands there and just moves really quickly. And it's weird though because I feel like they d- and I think this was intentional because at this point, Disney had fully is fully owning a Marvel at this point. So now there's this like um, you can even tell with this movie there's a bit of a switch of like production levels and quality where like you could tell Disney finally is fully owned Marvel, but like. Man, I don't know, there's something about Wanda that was so scary and creepy that like, oh, it just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies when I when I, when I when I see the way she does it. Um and whatever and, happens to her accent.
1: Like I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like the accent in in this, it's it's not it's not great. Like Elizabeth Olsen, well, that, great actress. Accent not good because when you get to WandaVision, it's gone. Her accent's gone completely. I'm guessing,
0: I'm guessing like I think in in the MCU world, she has like assimilated to the point where like she lost her accent. But the thing is, I know people who are Wanda's age who have thick accents who don't lose their accent ever. So yeah. I don't know. I, maybe yeah. it's kind of like it's it's kind of like um, when when Vision uh, turns into his human form. It's like oh, they're just tired of putting makeup on. Yeah. Like you know, what I'm yeah. saying like <laughs> she's tired of doing this accent. I will say that like when it comes to the creepiness of Wanda. I'm kind of disappointed that they they had it creepy here, and they had it for like one episode of Wandavision. Yeah, like they don't really allow that creepiness, and I think like that's like the most. I mean, I'm hoping this next movie, Multiverse of Madness, it seems like there's gonna be some horror elements, yeah. and I, if, if we get creepy Wanda again, I'm here for it. Because well, and I just rewatched so Civil.
1: I just rewatched Civil War and kind of in yeah. prep for this, but like I'm I'm getting ahead of the game a little bit, but sure. that like we'll dive into this heavy at some point, but the grief that Wanda goes through, like we point back to age of Ultron dude, civil war goes even harder. Like it goes hard in the paint too. I mean, I don't want to spoil that for future episodes, but yeah. Wanda like herself. There is so much depth to her character that when I remember when age of Ultron came out, yeah. She was still, she was a brand new character. And like, yeah. we we're like, oh, it's the Scarlet Witch. And yeah. we were just throwing her off like her power level. We're like, she's not a big deal. She's whatever. There's a reason why she was dusted with Thanos. Like, mm. I'll just say that because I think yeah. she could have competed. Again, that's another conversation for another day. But yeah, yeah she is creepy in this movie, um, which actually Truly. makes me more excited for uh, Multiverse of Madness because she's a huge character and she yeah. brings a horror element. To she looks scary.
0: the MCU, and, this, and even the trailers when she's like, "It doesn't seem fair." Like I'm just no. like, the way you delivered that line is horrifying. <laughs> like it's <that's> so <laughs> scary. Um, there's a scene um, we've talked about this before of like what makes a person worthy when it comes to holding the the hammer and stuff like that. And there's the like, one thing I don't think I've ever noticed was right before. So we I know Ultron holds that hammer, and it's a funny scene because earlier in the movie they're playing this game while they're drinking about how to pick up the hammer or whatever. And Ultron has this long kind of conversation with them, basically saying like, no, you can't trust me, but what are you going to do about it, basically? And he says that, and then he grabs the hammer, and he hands it to Thor, and then Thor grabs it. And in my mind, the crowd, the, everyone in that room realizes, oh, we can't trust him. But the fact that he's holding his hammer shows that he's actually worthy and trusting. You mean
1: Vision, him. not Ultron, right? Vision, Vision was the one who I, grabbed it. I the hammer. Ultron? I'm sorry. Yeah. I
0: Vision. I was, like, racking my brain for the
1: scene when Ultron grabbed the hammer, and I'm like, I don't think Ultron ever grabs it. No, Vision vision grabbed the hammer.
0: And then, if you remember towards the end of the movie, they're having this long argument, if you put the hammer in an elevator, and the elevator goes up, it doesn't mean the (laughs) elevator is worthy. And it's like, I love it. But, like, I do think Vision is worthy because of what we said earlier, that what makes a person worthy is by them knowing their strength and choosing to do good instead of evil, right? Yeah. Um, So... uh, uh again, uh, the only a few other things I saw is um there's something about Natasha that's so morbid that like her and her sister in Black Widow says something similar where like they're about to die and they always make a joke like, Well, it's not a bad way to go. Like, you know, like they always they love making these comments about like, well, if I die, that's neat. They 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 <laughs> they just don't care about dying ever. And it's just kind of this weird morbid morbid morbidness about it. Um I love when War Machine sees vision for the first time oh. and is just so like, what the heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's so, I love that. Uh, the way Quicksilver dies is the saddest thing I've ever seen. Like, not everything, ever seen, but like, it's, uh, I get emotional every time. I, there's a couple of scenes uh. in Marvel that they've done so well that every time I watch it, I get emotional. And to see the way Quicksilver dies and then his sister just feels that pain and just explodes <sighs> makes me so sad. Well, and it, and it makes then, like,
1: Oh, go can ahead. I, can I hit on that for real quick? Go, 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 go. Like Quicksilver's death, like is the epitome of greater love has no love than this. And a man laid down a life for his friend. Like there's that, but also you're totally right. Wanda in that moment, I think what is grief, but love persevering, sorry, WandaVision. vision. Um, it, it, there is this piece where you see her grief start and you're like her power is so much stronger and more chaotic and she's more creepy. It may, that scene I think hit harder after WandaVision going back oh, and watching sure. it because I'm like that was the in my opinion the start not the starting point but was a was a crux moment in her life that watching that and then seeing Hawkeye's face too when he yeah. when Quicksilver gets hit and Hawkeye like he, not that he knows the fullness of Wanda, but after sure. the conversation he just had with Wanda, where are you an Avenger? Like, get up or stay where you yeah. are. To then her brother dies. And you see, like, he's sitting there going, Should I be here? Because I need to be with my family. And there's that whole yeah. counting the costs he's making. And so there's just, there was such an emotional depth to that scene yeah. that I'm like, I feel like we could talk about so much just in the MCU, let alone from like a theological standpoint of yeah. death and other pieces. Um, I will go ahead.
0: I was like, can I, give you, I want to give you, I want to give you two more like quick, uh, yeah, cues me. that happened. One when Wanda well, sorry, when when Wanda was freaking out and Hawkeye talked to her, that scene was so beautiful. Like he's just like, I, I love the the self awareness part. That little bit was like, we're fighting these robots and I have a bow and arrow. Like, I, like <laughs> I I love that and just like him being a dad in that moment. Like hey, if you're gonna leave this place, like like you could stay here and I'll send my I'll send your brother but if you want to be an avenger to like, come out like that just like made me so impactful and then like obviously every avengers movie needs to have that team up scene where they're all together fighting of course again an amazing in that church when they're fighting all the robots in that in slow motion beautiful like it's like like they they are just bombing home runs in those type of scenes, they just do such a good job. Where you see a little bit of every single person's power: Hulk just smashing, Wanda doing whatever she does with her magic, Vision just like phasing into people and then breaking them apart. Just they, they do such a good job, and and like I, it's one of those like I, I call them "Remember the Titan" moments because when I saw the movie "Remember the Titans," there's that mo- part of the movie where they like gotta get it, and they're like, "We have to be a team," and then they start to win, and it makes left you side think, strong side. Yeah, it makes you get hype like. Yeah. Avengers has so many good moments when they have those like team up moments where I'm just like, yeah, put me in coach. I want to beat someone up too. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, Tommy, I, obviously I'm super stoked about this movie. What are yeah. your observations? I have a question for you before we go into our discussion. What are your observations? No, what are your uh, observations?
1: Okay. Observations. Um, I, I talked about um, already Wanda's accent. I'm curious when that goes away because it's not Civil War. No. Um. Sure. I got to say this. I know Hawkeye has the, I'm the dad moment with Wanda at the end that we just talked about, but dear Lord, does he not get the short end of the stick? He's controlled by Loki. (laughs) He's shot in the side. Like, it's almost like they're like, Oh, we feel bad. Let's give him a family. And then he's going to lose his family. It's like Hawkeye gets the short end of the stick. And we talk about power levels. I love that. Hawkeye's like, I have a bone arrow, almost like he's making fun of himself. Like, come on, Marvel. I know you gave him a show, but can we do something to like help him out? Um, Anyway, uh I love the line, Jarvis is my co-pilot, the little sticker in the background when he's flying. I'm like, is that like I was waiting for uh Taylor not Taylor Swift, um Frank Henry uh Jesus Take the Wheel. I want to hear like Jarvis take oh, the wheel.
0: Uh Carrie uh, Underwood. Carrie Underwood, that's right.
1: Yeah, uh Jarvis take the wheel. I feel like somebody out there needs to make it. I'm sure if I YouTube it, I'll find it. Sure. Um there was a few other things. Okay, we have to talk about this because we, we, you and I didn't even in our pre-comments didn't talk about it. And it just hit me. Can we talk about Romanoff and Bruce Banner for a second? Yeah, let's talk about it. Because we've talked about couples in there. And a couple episodes ago, we even threw out there, are they really a couple? Are they not? What was your take? Um, do you wish that that love interest would have continued? Are you glad that they cut it after this?
0: Um. I actually think uh I after watching this movie, I wish they kept it. Because here's what I think we're supposed to believe. I think we're supposed to believe between the time of New York till now, there's been this like undercurrent of romance and this affection in the sense that like they're the only two people that can understand each other and all this other stuff. And like Bruce and Nat are never gonna be with anyone else. Like Bruce makes that comment like I, I can't give you what you want. I can't be with you. And that's like there's this type of vulnerability that Nat gives Bruce that she gives no one else. Yeah. And I and I kind of break for her for that. Like I kind of like feel bad that like she doesn't get that vulnerability with anyone else. And like like think about think about it's almost like she broke character. When you watch this movie, there's a sense of like this like um very gentle, not gentle, but very like vulnerable girl. Talking to Bruce, she's like, I'll run away with you. I'll do whatever. Like, she's not like that ever. Like, she's always the, the smartest one in the room. Yeah. She's always the strongest one. Like, she's never that vulnerable, but she was with Bruce. And for for that alone, I'm like, I wish her and Bruce were together. I actually think, my guess is this. Joss Whedon wanted to do that to have some kind of romantic character within the Avengers. And so she paired them two together. And no one else wanted to carry that on. That's my thought because this is John Sweden. Wrote it's this fair movie. And I think every other movie, cause like the next time we see them together is infinity war and it's like <laughs> nothing ever happened. Right. And that's so weird. Also, it's, like, it's, weir- it, it's It's like being great. back in high
1: school and you come back from the summer fling and you see that person that you had a summer fling with and you're like, Oh, Hey, that was fun, but let's not talk about that because whatever, like, like, you know, like the high school summer camp yeah, romance yeah, for those yeah, of yeah. us that are Christian church kids. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then, but, it like, I'm trying to rem- – I can't remember Infinity War right now with the interactions. Like, were there any interactions between Bruce Banner and, and her? I think actually the interaction is between Endgame when she meets Smart Hulk for the first time. <laughs> I think that and – and then at that point, it's like – she's probably like, oh, you got kind of ugly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't know if, like, that's what she's thinking. But I feel, I, I feel bad – that there was never a progressive romance for them and they yeah. kind of just like le- left to the wayside because it, it brought in a type of character that Nat doesn't have any other movie. Anyways, now, I thought I, about it a lot since I watched it. And you brought up a good point. Like it's weird that they just they introduced it and then it disappeared.
1: Yeah. And I it makes me it it makes me more intrigued for Ragnarok watching that again. To because you know like that whole movie banner doesn't really come out. It's all the Hulk. And so, like, is there a part that banners recluse? Like, I don't know. I'd have to rewatch it because that part's a little fuzzy. But after watching this, I kind of want to see how they not retcon it in terms of go back and fix it, but just how do they move with it moving forward? I actually um, – I got two more things. One of them, um, I liked that this movie didn't have as much action. That's a weird thing to say for me with Marvel movies because one of their strengths is is – as they move forward, when they put action, it's really strong. I loved the character development in this in this one. They stayed yeah. consistent. Um, Tony is still chasing after peace, like that hasn't gone away. Hence why he goes from Ultron. Um, th- there's so many pieces to this that I I was actually grateful at the lack of action in this movie, which is weird for me to say because like it's an action movie, it's a superhero yeah. movie. But it's like Marvel started to figure out what keeps people isn't the action scenes. What keeps people is the sure. character development. So yeah. I like that. And then um, this is just a little Easter egg thing that I remember hearing once on a podcast they were talking about. But it hit me watching this again. Um, Ultron and Tony have a ton of parallels in this movie. A ton of parallels. Both of them are chasing after peace. Both of them are chasing after. I don't want to dive too much into all of that. Um, might bring it up at the end. But one of the things that was super unique to me was Ultron's take on children. I don't yeah. know if you caught this but Ultron and Tony both can't say the word children. Yeah. So Ultron is talking to somebody um and Ultron says that kids only exist to bring about a way to our end. It's mm. like we the reason we have kids is because we need to something to take care of us at the end of our life. Um and Ultron he calls them little people. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Tony when he gets to Hawkeye's house he's like Who's who's that? And he's talking about um, Hawkeye's wife. He's like, who's that? He goes, oh, she must be an agent. And then the kids come around the corner. He goes, oh, look, those must be little agents. So there's just something in the parallel between Ultron and Tony that's amazing. But I love their kids piece. And I have to say this, I love the writing for Ultron and Vision. The writing behind both of them in this movie was so good. Um, we're, and I'm not going to talk about this, and I don't think you're going to talk about it. So if you are, stop me. But uh, vision, when scripture talks about wisdom personified, I almost want to picture vision in my brain. The what he says, the way he says it, um, I can't think of the actor's name, but the way he delivers the lines and just this beautiful, I almost call it like wise writing. Every time he talks, I'm like, if you had told me that it came out of the book of Proverbs, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like just be not that I did, but there's just the writing for him. And um, I don't want to steal your thunder, so I won't. But Ultron's what the what things he says in this are insane. I mean, it's yeah. it's incredibly well written, yeah. but whoever wrote it has a deep understanding of scripture, a deep yeah. understanding of scripture because some of the things he said, it um they're, and like, and
0: nuanced, it, they're like nuanced jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. a good way to put it. Also, you said this about about vision like he like sounds like a like a like a proverb like you whatever yeah. he he has a line And I thought to I thought to myself when I heard it I was like this is almost as beautiful as his um the grief line he has in Wonder Vision he says a uh, a thing isn't beautiful cuz it's last cuz it lasts and I'm like oh man that's that's like such a beautiful state. there's something about like I don't know if this is um uh Paul Bettany's doing or if it's like like whenever they write whenever people write for vision it's as if they like went to the book of Proverbs. It was like, what, what can we find? What can we take from here? You know what I'm saying? It,
1: uh, it's so true. And that whole line around it is um, vision. When he's talking to Ultron before he destroys him, vision says yeah. um, Ultron is like, why are you with them? Don't you know? Like they're, they bring destruction. He goes, there is a grace in their failings. They're doomed. Yes. A thing is beautiful because it's last. It's a privilege to be among them. I almost wanted to dive into that. as like my major point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and even right before that, uh, Ultron is talking to me, he goes, uh, talking to, he goes, you all shoot to be a savior, but you're settling for being a slave. I suppose mm-hmm. we're both disappointments is mm-hmm. what Ultron, not to Tony, excuse me, Ultron says that to Vision. Yeah. There's just, there was such, the writing in this was so well done where I felt like there were so many times where I could have paused the movie and just sat for a second in what they were saying and really think, is they, are they saying it's true? Um, I wish we got a longer conversation between Ultron and Vision. Yeah, I would have loved to be a fly Come in up- the room.
0: It's kinda of like the conversation between vision and, and white vision in one Yeah. Day. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, totally. Which which if you have never seen I sometimes feel like if you I know like I, I think of like um uh I think like Emily listens to this podcast. I think there's a couple other people who haven't like fully caught up with everything. <laughs> and they're probably like some of the things like, Oh, I can't wait till we talk about this. They're probably thinking like, What are you talking about? <laughs> there's a white vision Talking to Vision like, yeah, like that sounds so... a, that sounds
1: a, a little racist. A white Vision, but anyways, <laughs> I
0: know, I know. <laughs> or like just that there. I mean, oh man, there's just so. I and I think I, like I don't want to spoil future stuff that people no. haven't seen because some people aren't watching it with us. But like I think about the Varsity kids who aren't watching who aren't watching the movies, but are just listening to our podcast. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself like they're probably like, wait a minute, what white Vision and regular Vision? <laughs> And it's like, dude, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's all there is for you, you know. Anyways, yeah. um, you ready to talk about some main discussion stuff? Yeah, some, dude. Some of the big things? dude. Okay. So what was? I'm,
1: yeah. What, why don't you go for it? What did you see? What was like one of the major things well, that you pulled away?
0: Actually, here's my question. I want to do this for this movie, and I want to do this for Civil War uh, when we get to it. Who is right in this movie, Steve, for not wanting to create Ultron, and or ultimately not wanting to do a a. a you know, arm around the world, or is Tony right in protect in, in thinking that we need to protect the world? This is Ugh. this is a similar conversation that happens later. Um, Civil War is a little bit different in the in the argument. Yeah. But I want to know what you think. Who is, and I don't think there's a right answer. I think this is all a gut thing. So who yeah. do you think is who do you so think is I, right?
1: I have to start off before I answer this. I just watched Civil War like two days ago, and so that is majorly coloring my yeah. my take <laughs> here, and so I can't. I don't feel like I can adequately answer that because I'm a little bit biased, sure. biased because of Civil War, sure. um, which I know we're gonna have a lot. Of, there's a lot to talk about from that movie. Um, I, I my my gut is to say that I think t- that Steve is right. Um, only here's here's the reason why I think Tony's motives. Behind what he's trying to do isn't out of a place of truly trying to protect people. I think it's out of a place of fear and anxiety. And I think that his motives are leading him to um, to something that was more dangerous than even he realized. As opposed to really so, – so that that would might be my, – that's my gut as I'm sitting here right now. Like you asked for my opinion, so I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Um like that's my gut however i think steve is a little short-sighted because steve is also like no we're the ones who are supposed to protect and so i think there is a mm-hmm. short-sightedness to him but also steve is kind of immortal at this point he can't <laughs> age or die and so yeah, i yeah. think steve why, has a different think, take yeah, 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 yeah. what like i'm going to live forever so why do i need to think about because i'm going to be the one who's always protecting people so uh, i i don't yeah. know that's that's my gut what do you have you have thoughts have you thought much yeah, about yeah, yeah.
0: it yeah i i think you're right i think tony is a bit more impulsive and a bit more emotional in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, he's still he he just he's just now like on the other end of the PTSD from Iron Man from 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 New York and the processing of Iron Man Three, right? Uh, you know his his yeah. lo- his his love of his life now has these weird powers, and it was kind of his fault. Like I think he I think he so feels like from the time we he was introduced to us till now that he has caused so many problems that he's just constantly trying to fix them. And if he can remove himself by creating a solution, he's willing to do everything. And I think he's blinded by that guilt that he's constantly trying to fix things. Yeah. And then where Steve comes in is you're right. I think he's naive, but like, I, I can't say like I wrong him for the statement of like, anytime people tried to preemptively stop something that like it goes wrong. Like, that is the. I mean, that's 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 exactly what uh, happened in uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Like they're yeah. trying to, they're trying to preemptively stop the bad people or whatever. So, like, I think like um, both of them somewhat come from a place of, a, of either e- either emotion or naive, na- being naive. But um, I want to say I kind of lean more towards Cap on this, in the sense that um, um, when you. St- and this leads perfectly into what I'm about to say. <laughs> when you start to play God, you're going to be on the yeah. wrong end, of the, the wrong end yeah. of the situation. And I think Tony is a little bit trying to play God yeah. and, is, and, what, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah.
1: And we have to bring this question back up after Civil War. Like I just watched yeah. it and, and you made – I don't want to spoil too much, but you made the comment about how Tony is – making decisions based off his emotions. Oh, thats The whole movie. the the, the yeah. last and not even like the whole movie is a piece of that, but the very end of the movie, the big fight, the big big fight, and that's all I'm going to say. The reason they're fighting is because of Tony's emotions. 100%. The reason they're fighting. Yeah. Um yeah, which yeah. I had I was even I, this is bad. I hadn't watched Civil War in so long that when I was rewatching, I'm like, why? I remember the big fights coming at the end, but why are they fighting? Cuz it feels like yeah. there's diplomacy and then I'm like, oh yeah. And so I'm not going to spoil that. Yeah. We'll dive into that. Yeah. But you mentioned this where um your this leading into your big idea. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, dude, yeah. hit me. What is your big theological idea or theme that you saw in this movie?
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, and I'm not the only one that thinks this, so don't think this is too original with me, but, um, I think if you look at all the Marvel movies, age of ultra is the most theological movie that exists. And when I say theological, I mean, it's the movie that has the most concepts about God and how he interacts with people. Not saying it's a Christian movie. Not saying that it's a correct Christian worldview. I actually want to argue that it's not a good worldview. It's not a correct worldview. But like, this is a movie that probably has the most Christian lines in it, um, and, and, or not Christian feel like, but biblical lines in it than any other movie. Um, and and like and like ph- almost like philosophical themes of how we should view God and how we should view each other. So. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna say a couple of statements and then I think this is the ultimate question that the movie is going to be asking us. So I think Aldron, Ultron thinks he is God or at least thinks he's like the hand of God in the sense that he's he's trying to make a a declaration or a statement over what humanity deserves. Almost similar to what Loki was doing, except mm. Loki and his conclusions are very different. Loki says he should be the king and rule over humanity. Ultron concludes he needs to wipe out humanity, right? <laughs> um, so there's a couple of lines that Ultron says. He says, you just didn't think it through. You want to protect the world, but you don't want it to change. How is humanity saved if it is not allowed to evolve? And so there's this concept where basically humanity needs to evolve into these perfect creatures. They're ultimately like these, like ultimately what vision is. This like human robot hybrid type of thing, a humanoid robot type of thing. Um, and then uh, Ultron says his other line. He says, the human race will never have the opportunity to improve. Ask Noah. Um, uh, there there were more than dozen a dozen extinction-level events before even the dinosaurs got theirs. When the earth starts to settle, God throws a stone at it, and believe me, he's winding up. Okay, so that's a huge—that statement is a theological statement because that's a— that is Ultron saying this is it first off, Ultron's like saying there's a God. Either he's either he's being kind of coy with it and, and kind of framing God as what people believe is God, but like he's saying that like when the earth starts to settle, God throws a stone at it and, and, and believe me, he's winding it. What are you gonna say?
1: Well, and even like to play more into that, at the very end when they have the fight, where do they have the fight in Sokovia? In a church. Yeah. And who's the person he wants to fight first? thor which we talked about before is a god there's this whole like there's this underlining tone like you said um i think ultron wants to be a god like he wants to be that to the point where he's even trying to create the perfect body and vision dude there's there's so many like subtle pieces as you're watching through yeah especially that end fight scene where he he yeah there's yeah i think you're you're on to something here so what do you got
0: so josh whedon um, who wrote it, who wrote and directed this, is an atheist. He's not a Christian. So that's what's interesting, because you mentioned this earlier. Like whoever wrote this must know the Bible. And I think just because you're an atheist doesn't mean you don't know the Bible. And I think like there's also he's not the only writer of this of this movie. But despite that, there's abundant like God conversations about God and, and biblical themes. And Joss is in his storytelling, he's actually kind of framing. The value of humanity apart from God, because because we get these ideas like people are worth saving. Captain America has this conversation with Black Widow, where he's like, "Where Black Widow's like, you know, there's going to have to be a sacrifice made." And Captain America is like, "Every single person on this rock needs to come off this rock. Like, no one gets left behind." And and basically, like, he's saying every person has value and worth, and we need to spare them, not do it. You know cost analysis of like, well, if we destroy the people on here, it'll save billions. Like, He's not playing life for life here. He, he, he wants to save everyone. And I think Joss Whedon, um, someone described him as a humanist, as in like humans have instinct value apart from God or whatever. So that last statement, when the earth starts to settle, God throws a stone at it. And believe me, he's winding up. And there's, this, there's a bit earlier about, about you know, ask uh, ask Noah how God reacts to to people and all this other stuff. There is this kind of idea that I think Joshua is maybe softly pointing to that I think is common amongst atheists and agnostics, that uh, if God is real, he's evil. And the question I want to ask is, because even as Christians— Sometimes we don't read the Old Testament because we like to say the God of the Old Testament is this angry, vengeful, vindicative, angry God. Uh, Like, I don't know if Joshua intended to paint this picture of religion, but a a common trope is that God is this evil, angry person. Because why did God kick Adam and Eve out of the garden? Why did God allow every man, woman, and child die in the flood? Why did God take the firstborn child in Egypt? And so on. And so, so I wanted to answer this because this is more of what we call apologetics, and apologetics is what we what, how you define the defense of the faith, how you would defend when people make an accusation against their faith. And 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 I think this is such a common one. I want to kind of give you some some kind of how I would answer this question. So first, if if this is Josh Sweden's worldview, if he's truly an atheist, and the atheist is a person that does not believe God exists, that God is a man made creation in their mind, I would say um, first off to even to call god evil is to first admit that there is a god like people don't call things evil if they don't believe they exist so if god is if, if you're going to call god evil then you're acknowledging the existence of god for him to even be evil right the second thing is to believe something is evil is to believe something can be good also which means there must be morality which always begs the question if morality exists w- Whose standard do we live by? Like, like who has created the standard and defines what's good and evil? Like, why do we believe that it's it's wrong to to murder someone when Darwinian evolution says only the strong survive? Why do we protect the weak and the vulnerable if 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 Darwinian evolution is like, hey, the strongest of the species needs to keep going? Who cares about the weak and the fragile, right? So Morality demands there to be a definer, a a, a a being that defines what good and evil is. Even like the inception of uh, of 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 uh, the founding of this United, of the United States talks about that there's these inalienable rights that are given or bestowed to us from a creator. And within that, the laws that we have in this land and in, in America, are, are loosely based on the foundation of the morality given to us from the scriptures, because there's this belief that our morality comes from outside of us. It comes from God give, bestowing what is right and what is wrong. All right. So, with that being true, despite all that, a question I like to post uh, or pose when we talk about the actions of God: How is it fair that God did X, Y, and Z? I always want to make sure we understand this. We've ask the question: Who gets to define what fair is? Like when people say, "Why is it fair that God did this?" Why, did it like, like when you say fair, who gets, to, who has the right to frame what is fair, and why is it always our perspective as humans? If God is the creator, right? If God truly is God and we've sinned against Him, God has the right to punish and correct anything He wants. Um, and if God is the potter, we are the clay. He has the right to do what he wants with the clay. That's what, go read Romans 9. He literally says that, I'm the potter, you are the clay. What right does the clay have against the potter? He says that to Job. When Job starts to complain, he's like, who are you, O man, to speak to me, right? Uh, God is, by his very nature as creator, has the right to do whatever he wants with creation. Now, that sounds very cold, but hold on. Even more so, every situation that you can bring up in the Old Testament, where there was a cataclysmic death, whether it's the flood, whether it's the Canaanites, the Babylonians, whatever, whatever situation, the Benjamites, whatever situation where you see um, uh, God use like. Um, physical, temporal wrath against humanity, there's a couple things that you have to remember. One is he always offered salvation in the midst of that, right? When Adam and Eve were warned to, when Adam and Eve, before they got kicked out, they were warned not to eat of the fruit. There was a way to not be in that bad situation. Um, when the people were flooded, Noah told people to get on the boat. Like, the, yeah, kids died in the flood, but who are these parents to not send their kids on the boat to be spared from the flood, right? Moses told everyone to put the blood on their doorposts. And even more beyond that, Moses warned Pharaoh multiple times, he gave him multiple warnings to listen to God, but Pharaoh rejected him. And God was ready, like he was ready to destroy Nineveh. He told Jonah, just go to Nineveh and tell him I'm going to destroy them. But the moment Nineveh repented, he relented and he spared, he showed mercy to Nineveh. And so God is a judge, but he is a fair judge. But not only is he a fair judge, he's a merciful judge who shows grace and mercy more than he needs to, more than he should probably. And the Bible says that we are sinful and yet God gives us countless opportunities for us to receive mercy. And so when he says, when the earth starts to settle, God throws a stone at it. And believe me, he's winding up. That isn't true. That is not a true statement because earth has never settled since the fall. The Bible says that all of creation is groaning in birth pain. It's in pain because of the fall, because of sin. And it's crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. It's crying out for the redemption of humanity so that the earth can, can be uh, settled. He, he God doesn't throw a stone because he decided to throw the stone at his own son, Jesus, instead of uh, one thing that we see in the new covenant, though, he, I don't want to get twisted. This is for another conversation. God still has active wrath, this side of the cross. Like we see this in the new Testament with, um, the folks in, in the book of acts who he struck dead immediately when they, when they lied about their money, we see, we see God do things this side of the cross. However, um, One, God promised never to flood the earth again. He says that that's why we have, this is something that uh, maybe some folks don't know, but like the symbol of the rainbow, God has given us the rainbow as a symbol to show God's mercy that he's never going to flood the earth again. And then secondly, um, instead of pouring his wrath on humanity, he decides to pour his wrath on his son by ultimately offering salvation again to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So ultimately, We talked about this before. I think sometimes Marvel, uh, we we said that we're going to talk about the worldviews that we see in Marvel theologically, whether good or bad. And I do think that Marvel sometimes puts um, incorrect biblical worldviews out there. And I think this is one of them where, where I think it's trying to paint this picture that God is this vengeful, angry God, and therefore Ultron is justified in his actions and, and 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 then ultimately the Avengers are these humanists trying to save humanity for humanity's sake, and that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible actually is is incredibly uh, in love with his humanity and desires to save his humanity because his own image, a part of who he is, is in every single person. He the Bible says in Genesis that he doesn't want anyone to perish, not even the wicked. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And therefore, he desires to save everyone, um, but it, it's our own sinfulness and wickedness that prevents um, us from turning to him and from receiving that salvation. So, anyways, uh, I think that's a bad worldview from Ultron. What do you got, Tommy? <laughs> no, I, dude,
1: I think I think it's worth talking about because in this movie, you can't not feel. That Ultron is is portraying an evil, vengeful God, and he even himself wants to be that. I mean, I, I think to go along with what you said, God hates sin and its effect on us. He's created us; we're His creation, and He hates it. I I, I put it this way: um, we're back to God has a name. By the way, we did it. We hit we hit one of our check marks. Uh, there you go. But but one of the things in there when it, um when it talks about um. God visiting in Exodus 34 6 and 7 when it says he visits the iniquity of the sins of the third and fourth generation. He's with alongside them he goes he does not yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. It's like when he talks about his own character and I think when we read that we go, oh man, like see there it is the shoe finally dropped. God's evil but what he's actually trying to say is judgment cannot exist. I mean like excuse me, grace and mercy can't exist without judgment. God hates sin and its effect on us. Uh, my daughter, she's a she's an artist, she's seven years old. She loves to draw. If you give me that piece of paper and I hand it to you, Frank, I'm sorry, I'm going I'm to make you the bad guy here for a second. I, ha- I hand you that piece of paper that she drew, which she actually drew a really good Captain America the other day. It's hanging in my office. I'll show you next time you're there. Um, if I handed you that Captain America paper that my daughter drew and you crumpled it up, my daughter would look at that and think, that's terrible. It's worse. Look what you did to my creation. And she'd try to fix it. She'd try to smooth out the paper, try to make a way for it to be like, she would hate what it did. And she'd want to destroy the thing that uh, destroyed her creation, right? Sorry, Frank. Uh, but I think that we have to understand like we are God's creation. Like he hates what sin does to us and he wants to do everything he can to stop it. And we have to admit we're sinful beings. And so there are times where God's like, in order to preserve my people, this is what I have to do. So there's a whole side that we could go into. I also think it's important Um, I think Tony and Ultron have the same purpose, but they have different outcomes of that purpose. Because um, I think this kind of like what you're you're talking about here is God evil. No, God hates sin. And so we look at it, you hate sin. So just eradicate sin, don't eradicate us. We have a different outcome than what God says. God says, no, in order to eradicate sin, I'm gonna create a way <laughs> that you can do it as like what she ultimately puts God's wrath on his son Jesus on the cross. Like there's that whole piece. But there's also his outcome of, yeah, sometimes he has to like, just like there is death and destruction death is a part of how he destroys evil too so yeah there's a whole lot in here um we could dive into i just i think it's it's good um
0: no it's what good. do you what, what do you got
1: well mine's not as not as crazy in terms of going into the the great theological depth of of yours um but uh where i just lost it so this is great so that's the whole podcast uh that's a, no just um Oh man, where'd it go? Oh, there it is. Sorry, I moved it to the bottom of my page. I was in the middle originally, so I moved it. that's why I lost it. But uh, I think I, th- I want to say this at the very beginning of the movie. So we're like talking like just a few minutes in. There's um, one of the fight scenes for the first time where we really get to see release the twins. It's like release the kraken for you, but it's like they release the twins and Wanda goes around and she's starting to use her powers where she's giving people like crazy visions and stuff. And she gives Iron Man a vision. I don't know if you remember this at the very beginning. Um, she gives him a vision of of seeing... Gives him a vision of seeing what would have happened if Tony would not have closed the portal. I actually don't think it's Tony thinking forward. I think it's Tony rewriting the past. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. And so he sees all of the Jathari, these big like whale flying creatures all there... And they've entered into Earth and they've killed and wiped all the Avengers. Which I would argue, I think Tony actually loves those people. Uh, he doesn't like want to control them. But that's, again, another conversation. He loves the Avengers. And this vision in Tony's head, this end game, if you say, pun intended, um, that he thinks is coming, leads him to change his view of the present. Um, it, it, it forces him, so his his idea of this is what's going to happen... It, it changes who he is now. And I actually think that that idea is monstrous for each of us. I think a lot of us in today's world, like if we believe in God and we believe in who he is and we know the end game of he will return one day, that forces us to view our present very differently. Versus if we're like, this life is all I have. This is it. It's over when it's done. That's going to change how you live. And so I think this vision, which is why I actually love that they name vision, vision, because vision is a vision of saving humanity. Anyways, another, that's another big thing there. But it, it, um, this vision that Tony has changes his present. And so as followers of Christ, I think, I think that idea like isn't a non-theological issue in terms of like, oh, that's just whatever. That's a cool thing in a movie. That's true for us in terms of how we view the end changes our present. Uh, We're in the middle of a sermon series that we're even calling New City, where we're talking about the future. What is this city going to look like? And how does that change our present when we look at that city? Um, uh, Paul in Philippians 3 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a um, a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying? If we think of ourselves as I'm a citizen of a future kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth, and that is going to be there, and that is what I'm living for, it's going to change how I view today. I don't, I view stuff differently. I view relationships differently. I view people differently. I view my purpose in life differently. And we long to be a part of that new city and want others to be a piece of it. Yet, if I don't think that new city exists, that Jesus isn't going to come back, then why do, Why does, why does it matter? It, it, it's what I'm, what I'm trying to get at and I hope you're getting, and let me, if I can sum it up as this, when we truly understand what the end game is, it changes our present. And for Tony, it drastically, drastically changed his present. When he thought the end game was death, destruction, finality, Armageddon of the greatest type that you could ever imagine it's going to wipe off all of humankind, it changed how he viewed his present. Now, Eternals wrestles with this same issue. So I, I like, little caveat, I don't want really to like it. For those of you who haven't seen Eternals, um, long story short, the Eternals find out that the world's about to be destroyed and their purpose in life was wrong and then they try to it messes with their present too. So this idea is not a one movie they mess with it. This is a constant theme, but it's also a real life theme as followers of Christ that we have to be aware of. I don't know, what do you think, man?
0: No, that's good. I mean, I I agree with everything you said. I think uh I think uh the 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 thing about looking to the past and then and then looking towards the future. It's uh it the the thing I always am I'm, I'm interested in thinking about is like um, uh, when when you when you how, how, let me think about how I'm gonna say this um, when when you when you're able to truly see the end, it like like you said, it truly does affect your present. And I think that one thing that often that we as believers, um miss is the fact that like the lord has already won right like the lord has already dictated how this is all going to end even like satan's outcome right but like we are so quick to just focus on the present that we ignore we ignore all of it and i think that like uh a lot of the villains that we see in the mcu sometimes they even know what the end is going to be like and they're just like living for the moment i think that's like kind of like um in many ways that like uh uh the scene at the end of age of ultron when the last robot comes up and he's talking to vision and like he like he's burnt out the internet there's nothing he can do the fact that he tries to fight vision at the end still shows it's i think that's a picture of like satan in this mm. world knowing he's going to be defeated mm. and trying to make one last effort to like bother us right and like uh i don't know I, I think that's that's good that that perspective. I just wish we could heed that more and like truly uh, truly believe that. I don't
1: know. Dude, I think that's good. Yeah, and it, and I think the question, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a follower of Christ, I think my question is like, what would your life? What is your wife? What is your life? Not wife. What does your life look like in light of knowing that Jesus has already won and He's going to win again? Like what is it, what does it look like? Does your life represent that? That doesn't mean we don't go through hardships. That doesn't mean we don't go through trials. That doesn't mean, but do we rather are we living life in view of that? I think that that helps change our present. I don't know, dude, I I all that to say, I thought this movie was great. Um, great we're movies. we're 50 something minutes in and I feel like we could talk for another 20 <laughs> or 30.. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um there's a few movies like I'm like, okay, I watched the Hulk once. I don't need to watch that one again. Oh. Ultron's one okay. where I'm like, I could thoroughly enjoy it. It makes the what-if Ultron yeah. scene that much better. If you haven't watched yeah. that one, that's one of the better episodes of what-if. Yeah. Um, it makes it makes me a little sad in a weird way that Ultron's not coming back. Although, maybe? In a, yeah. You know, it's Doctor Strange, there's some things there. I don't know. It. it um, all in all, we'll get to our rankings at some point. Great movie. Great movie. You know,
0: you know what we have next week?
1: uh oh what do we got ant-man yeah and in that episode i'm gonna make a confession so you'll have to wait for that i'm gonna make a confession so
0: very exciting very exciting well thank you for joining us we'll be back next week with ant-man uh follow us on instagram and give us a review on apple Podcasts and share this podcast with a friend we will see you next week and as you watch these amazing movies remember not to miss the marvelous gospel
1: we